Welcome to Much More Muchier with Pup Duffy and Kara Lane, an Odd Imagination production. Guys, I am here with writer, director, and star Deborah Twist. We're going to be talking about Sapiosexual, which will be digital and demand as of midnight tonight. Today is, I don't even know what the date is, but anyways, it'll be out. <laughs> by the time this is uploaded, it will be out and you will have enjoyed it or been traumatized by it, in my case. <laughs> oh. But, <laughs> I mean, I think not to, I don't think it's a spoiler to say anybody who has um, been a friend or a family member or a partner to an, a narcissist will come away from this film going, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so, exactly, yep. I think it's, it's a wild film, first of all, and it's not for the kids. We're just going to say that right straight out the gate. There's a lot that goes on, and it's more than just the physical interactions. There's this these mental gymnastics that are going on in the film, and you wrote this. You directed it. You did everything for this. Where I, I even went to Costco and got the craft service. <laughs> he has done everything. You guys, you have and that this is your heart and your soul and your wallet are in this film because it's all out there on the table. And we were just, uh, we were talking sapiosexual is, uh, an, uh, is it just a sexual attraction or just an attraction in general to intelligence? It's, it's a um, visceral, like it's, um, you know, it doesn't, it, this is the thing with sapiosexuality where it, it's literally about intelligence. So, you know, you can, find somebody intellectually stimulating that has absolutely not in any way the, the normal physical type you might go for. Right. And um, yeah, and, and that's really like Liam, you know, the, the older male lead. Um, I wanted his character to be that kind of thing where he, you know, he's attractive, but it's more like the mind games that he likes to play and things like that that make him uh, desirable to certain kind of people that are um, codependents generally. Right, basically. Well, you spoke of uh, Liam played by Nick Harden and uh, Freddie who's played by David Edwin and, and you and Hannah are in this thruple, I guess. And you're right, they are, there is this codependency where to me as a viewer, it was like, they just want to please him. And again, the whole, if you in real life, uh, been around a narcissist, you kind of walk a fine line between wanting to wanting to kill them, honestly, because yeah. they're so toxic. But we're not saying that intelligence equals toxicness. It's just toxicness. That's not a word. Toxicity. <laughs> <laughs> they're just the 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 bare bones synopsis is they basically want to just all break up. Right. And that's not what happens really. <laughs> it just, they get more enmeshed into the, the situation. We're not going to say anything, but it just, it spoke to me in this way because intelligence is something that we should be attracted to, mm -hmm. not to politically, but in this country, we should be more attracted to intelligence and thoughtfulness and, you know, just basic brain usage and as as you know much fun as it could be to to be attracted to the cute you know cute not I don't want to say dumb but dumb person for our betterment 
we want to be attracted to someone that's super intelligent, you know, it, if it comes yeah. in the same way, but it's just like, it's something that you would think would be super, super desirable. I'm putting, you know, humans are different, but for the film, is this, where did this idea come from? A friend of mine, my best friend from college, um, wrote a short story, an erotica about three people having like their sexual escapade over a weekend. And she said, you know, if you want to turn this into a short, you're more than welcome to. And I read it. And I thought, wow, this could be a really beautiful, silent film short. Just use music, have it shot in black and white about these three people. But I've, I am not good at making shorts. Like everything always expands to me, like the amount of effort that's required to make a short, you may as well just make a feature, add a couple acts, get a couple, you know, other twists and turns to a plot and, and you've got a feature. So, you know, I added all of the stuff about the backstory, where they were coming from, what their plot really was, all these other things to, um, expand on the core concept of three people you know in a in a it was supposed to be a beach house for a weekend and um you know it turned out it didn't matter if it was a beach house or a mountain house or anything it was you know just the fact that they were trapped in this location during a storm that was the key and um yeah it was it was fun it was a lot of fun because um some pretty crazy people over the years and the narcissist thing seems to be something that's growing with, um, I don't know what it is, like if it's sunspots or what, <laughs> but like it's, they're blossoming like crazy. And so I really wanted to explore that concept a lot. And also the Dogma 95 thing, which was really important, you know, years ago, back in the 90s, the whole reason digital filmmaking became a thing was so that it, be, it, put the power back into the hands of the indie filmmaker. And, you know, you'd be able to make a movie for under $100,000 without a big deal. And, um, you know, once the Hollywood caught wind of the fact that they could shoot digital and they made the Alexa and then the Red and all these other cameras that became, you know, so high-end, you needed just as much lighting and, and attention to detail as far as the technical aspect goes as if you were shooting on film. So, you know, you'd still need a million dollars. You just would save on the fact that you didn't have to process film. So I wanted to get back to like the original concept of why we make digital films as indie filmmakers. It's, you know, to make, be able to make films and make these things that, you know, don't have to get processed through a studio kind of system. Because I don't know that this kind of script that would expose narcissists would be something that Hollywood would think is relevant because it's probably filled, <laughs> you know what I mean? The studio system's probably filled with this very kind of person. So, um, you know, it was very exciting to me to kind of reboot that concept. And I'd like to make more films with this because, you know, you can go do something that's a little bit more edgy and explore topics that, you know, are, are a little bit more out there. And as long as the viewers receive it, and they get the learning, you know, the, the, the message, or I mean, I don't, I'm not like this altruistic, you know, moral driven filmmaker. I like to make things that entertain, but I like to make things that actually make people think a little bit more deeply. Like ultimately when people leave one of my films or, you know, if they're home and they're watching it, I want them to like, want to have a conversation about it with their friends afterward. So, um, 
Yeah, it's just, it was a lot of fun to make it. It was really intense. We did it in five days uh, with two cameras, sometimes three. Um, everybody was just really committed to their characters because we did it without extensive crazy lighting or anything, um, but good lighting, you know, good enough to make it worthy of being seen by an audience. Um, it just made it so wonderful as an actor because you could get into the role and just immerse yourself and be there. And, you know, the ideas would come and we would just stay in character in between setups even because between setups, sorry, puppies whining, uh, between setups was only five, 10 minutes. It's pretty cool. See, a thousand percent to everything you just said. I have so many comments. <laughs> so speaking of the narcissist in a, in a position of power, like a producer or a, you know, a CEO or whomever, as the, the WGA strike is showing us, that's true <laughs> because only a narcissist could say, yeah, I realize that, you know, your writing won me Emmys or, you know, and, but I still don't want to pay you what you're worth. So absolutely. And the other thing is five days, five days shooting because there's sex scenes in here. And that means y'all got it on the dot. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's just the caliber of the acting that you have in the film that you could do. And it is a pretty film. Let's not, let's not lie. It is a pretty film, the lighting or whatnot. I don't know the technical aspects, but it's pretty to look at. Oh, and, good, good. And you guys, your acting and the, just uh, the direction to get it done in five days, that's insane. Even for an indie film, that's Thank crazy. You. We were driven. I, I, the guys that I cast, you know, they were really committed and they knew what we were doing. They loved the challenge of it. And, and also those five days were 10 hour days. I like to limit the amount of time and be very planned about what we were going to do when and how much time we would give a scene so that people would have the ability to rest after, get a good night's sleep, rejuvenate. You know, when you're flying through 20 pages in a 10 hour day, you're worn out by the end of it. You're just kind of like, oh, <laughs> but it's really satisfying. I mean, it's like, it's like, doing 10 hours of theater that's what it really feels like and I can I can imagine you guys had to kind of take these little mental breaks as well because it is it's intimate you know material it's getting that close and that into it and I know it's acting but it looks real let's just put it that way cool imagine that you had to take a moment and be like oh okay Whew. we did that <laughs> let's take a minute to kind of get back to myself kind of thing. And I could just, it's just, it's so good. It's oh, so, so thank you. Thank you so much. Because, you know, sometimes in a film, you're like, oh, I can tell they really don't like each other. It's like, I don't believe this love story for a second, right? <laughs> the, other, the other thing um, that I wanted to, to talk about a little bit was the inclusivity, I guess you have, uh, an older man in a position of, I don't want to say heartthrob, but you know, the, the main dude, the main guy, it's an older gentleman. He's still sexy. Most of the time <laughs> he's still, you know, able to, to get it done. Shall we say, and, <laughs> and character of Freddie also, right. So you have, uh, this just like, you're not just like, it's a guy, it's a girl. Boom. We're done. No, you're letting 
all of these other aspects of sexuality into it, you know? Yeah. I think well, and I wanted, I mean, you know, in American cinema, a lot of times when they explore anything that's sexual, it's just, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. No, you know, and, and, and you just see humping and it's weird and awkward. And I really wanted to make something that felt more European where, you know, I, every frame I really wanted, especially during the intimacy scenes for it to look like a Caravaggio painting. I really did. That's what I went for. And, and, you know, I made it very clear to um, my crew that that's what I wanted. And they loved the idea. Everybody was excited. And it was very technical. Like when we did it, you know, it was just very, we just worked very slowly and, you know, made sure that the camera got the different motions and things like that. It was, it was very choreographed and, and it was fun. We actually had a good time. And there's a little secret too, the way I got the guys into it, because I, I was fine with whatever. I'm like, I, you know, I've known Nick the older guy for six years. He's in another project of mine that's coming out in July. And, you know, I had just met um, Dave, but Dave is very sweet and innocent. So if anything, I felt like, okay, I got to be careful with these two because <laughs> I don't want to get accused of anything bad. So I had um, what I call super suits. They were skin colored, full body suits that we had on. That was, um, the guys had, uh, it was a turtleneck on them. Mine had footies. And so the first time we went through the scene, we all had our super suits on. We looked like tan Teletubbies. It was so funny. And we were laughing and, you know, we had the the guys shoot it and everything. And it, of course, you, you couldn't do it. It looked stupid. And so the guys were like, okay, you know what? Let's just get rid of the super suits. We don't need them. Let's just, you know, and I'm, but by getting it, getting them into it, by having it be a funny thing first that we just laughed and, you know, went like this and <laughs> crazy things, it, it broke the ice. So it wasn't such a, a heavy, you know, oh, that scene now. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think it definitely, it, de it definitely comes through that there was a comfort, you know, between all three of you. And I just imagine it's like, taking footy pajamas on your honeymoon you know it's like take me now I can't find the zipper yeah it's like <laughs> yeah that just goes to show that you guys had like I said like a this bond where you felt comfortable enough doing that because there's oh there's this there, there's a spot there's a scene where you're like booted foot is or leg is like kind of wrapped around his his leg and I said excuse me <laughs> <laughs> This is a little hotter than I turned the laptop away from my kids. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I don't think you can get that much of a connection with your audience if you don't have that comfort and connection with yourself. So yeah, absolutely. Cool. Thank you. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, one of the reasons to why I cast Nick, because I, I auditioned a lot of older actors and Nick was, Nick does a ton of theater. And he just kept not being available, not being available. Finally, I cast this one guy, but he kept having all these issues. He kept saying, well, I don't know if my girlfriend's going to, my girlfriend, my girlfriend, my girlfriend. I was like, okay, look, the younger guy has a girlfriend he's lived with for five years and he doesn't have a problem. So, you know, if, You're <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and if your girlfriend, because he had to let his girlfriend read the script and all this other stuff. And I thought, you know, let me just see if Nick's available. And so I called Nick and I said, buddy, are you available for like 
next week. <laughs> and he said, as a matter of fact, I am. And so I immediately got rid of the other guy and I was like, Nick, yes. Cause you know, I just feel so comfortable with Nick. I adore him. He's, he's such an experienced actor. He's done tons of theater. He's been naked on stage in movies. I mean, he's done all this stuff and it's just like, yeah, well, I'm an actor. That's what I do. It's no big deal, you know? And that's how it should be looked at. It isn't, you know, like, it wasn't like the three of us were actually, you know, it wasn't a porn and we weren't all going to like end up together or getting married or some weird thing like that. I mean, so yeah, it was very, I was, I got very lucky. Those two guys were fantastic. They were absolutely fantastic and easy to work with. Absolutely. Well, didn't you know that, you know, simulating sex means that you end up married with children at the end of the film? <laughs> know that? Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, I think everyone wants to say, you know, if they have a, a partner, no matter who it is, that's an actor to say, oh, my partner loves me enough not to do love scenes. Listen, I love me to say, honey, go do that love scene because I need the money. You know, <laughs> it's like, don't. Right don't keep your, don't keep your creative down. You know what I mean? It's like, if that's what they're going to do, like you said, it's not porn, but that brings, you know, like a little crisis of conscience to me. Cause I'm like, uh, maybe. Yeah. It's, it, it's just so silly because I mean, you know, we're there to just get the shot and move on to the next scene. Right. So, you know, anybody that would have the thought that it's beyond that, I mean, they're just, there isn't time, first of all, to like ponder that long enough because you got to get to the next scene, you know, or or wrap so that you can go to sleep so you can get up and do another 20 pages. So right. it's like not cheating. It's fake. It's not real. It's like, yeah. But here's the other thing that you just reminded me of something. There was somebody, uh, I don't know if it was Twitter or what it was, and they said something about actors in a movie or on TV that are having sex scenes oh, did not give us their consent to watch them do that. I said, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Excuse <laughs> me? That's kind of, if any consent was needed, they kind of did that when they agreed to do the film. <laughs> yeah, like, and if you're watching it, then I, I mean, it's just, it gets, you know, you can, you can like over-examine this stuff forever and blame somebody for something. I mean, you could like breathe and blame someone for it. <laughs> yes. So, but yeah. that doesn't really, you know, help you move forward in life very much, right? <laughs> no, listen, we're all for consent when it's needed. But I was like, if, if I put in sapiosexual, I'm consenting that I'm going to see something sexual because it's in the title <laughs> oh my god so I think that's why I connected to the film not necessarily the subject matter but the film itself because it's like we're getting we're getting um I don't know what the word is like not offended but we're like we're getting bitchy about things and that's a general we right we're yeah. getting sensitive I guess if, no bitchy bitchy about things and it's like you were everybody's worrying about the stupidest crap and it's like your film is like we're here <laughs> we're having sex we're arguing we're working things out we're being manipulated we're codependent it's like deal with it I, and it's yeah. just it's 
strong, like you said, it's a strong message too. So. Yeah. I mean, what did you think of the end? I bet you didn't expect it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's a credit to your, to your friend's story and to your uh, storytelling, I guess. And I'm still like blown away by the five days. That's, listen, I moved and I, I was not unpacked in five days. So you, you created this, people are going to see and they're going to relate to, and they're going to be maybe a little scared by it. Not that it's a horror film, but the, the idea of somebody could be like that. I think it's, you know, it, it's, it's got a message. It's got, um, it's got heart. Love it. Thank you. Well, and it, it is a bit of a horror in a certain aspect, the psychological aspect. Yeah. You know, I, you know, one of the things that I'm very curious about is, you know, the long grift, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, when, yeah. I, when I saw the grifters back in the nineties, you know, and then some of the things that came around when the Me Too movement began, I thought, hmm, I wonder if some of these are a little bit, maybe, maybe even just 1%, even if it's only one person, you know, I'm curious, like what the, the other side of this might be, because there's the other side to everything. Right. And I think that's an intelligent question to have, because I'm not an absolutist. I don't think that everything is black or white. I, I it, tangent, um, person I know, we get in arguments all the about um, trans rights or human rights and this. And so I said to them today, I said, what do you think gender affirming care is? And they think that it's just for children to go in and be mutilated. And I said, well, let me break it down for you. It, it's just like, there's always gonna be an element that's not where it belongs. Like you were saying with the Me Too movement, People are, people are gonna lie. People are going to, there's gonna be people that do things just for clout or, you know, it's like people get caught up, you know, that uh, herd mentality, you know, it's like- Yeah, pitchforks, pitchforks and torches, yeah. But everything, you're right. Everything is not just one way. It's like, and I think that's part of, to bring intelligence back into the conversation. I think it's part of being, you know, intelligent and being conscious conscious of you know people are fallible you know absolutely yeah no it's really important and I mean everything that I make I love to look at much deeper aspects to characters than like nobody is just good nobody is just bad everybody has both parts because I think every human being I've ever met has you know multiple dimensions to their personality you know some have different varying degrees or whatever, but, you know, I, I think it's very interesting to have those different aspects highlighted in film. Yeah. So, because that's one of the things that does lead a viewer to think more deeply about something. When my, um, I did a movie called Sebastian and when we had the first cutout under a, the name, A Cry From Within, they wanted my character to not have had this affair with this guy. They said it made me a, um, uh, what was it? Um, like the audience couldn't identify with me as, you know, somebody who was like the protagonist. And I thought, well, but that is human. Like the way, the reason, like both people in this marriage are having issues outside of their marriage, like they're looking and what, you know, a trauma is what brings them back together. 
And without those, those elements of the other things going on that showed that these people had, you know, a darker side to their personalities, um, the movie didn't do as well. And when I did the director's cut and I added those relationships back in, it went crazy. Like pe people are seeing it all the time. It's amazing. And I think it really, you know, speaks to the fact that human beings crave more depth in characters. They really do. Absolutely. I think, I think you're onto something there because life is not pretty. Life is not perfect. And if you're, you know, this is a good example. Um, don't worry, darling. Did you see that yet? No. It's just, it's this utopia, this perfect, the women stay home and they cook, you know, they take all the wives take them, you know, and it's just this perfect bubbly, there's something underneath it, but this perfect bubbly, you know, utopia looking place. And I'm like, I don't relate. All right. But like in the, in the film you were just uh, talking about, I get it. Right. I think more people reality then I don't want to say fantasy because I love fantasy but you know what I'm saying it's like you have to be thoughtful about creating a film that your viewers your audience is going to go yes I almost said me too and I didn't want to be funny about it but yes me as well <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah because I mean think about it you know like it, it's just so frustrating when you see a movie that it just feels so hollow or shallow if somebody is truly just like the most amazing character and, you know, just so sweet and, and every, you know, does good all the time. I've never met a human being like that in my life. Like, you know, even, even in our own mythology with like, you know, Jesus and Moses and people like that, they still did some bad stuff. They did, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or they had bad thoughts or whatever. I mean, it's just human nature. It's like, you know, part of the plague of being in these meat suits while we're playing on this 3D world. <laughs> exactly. And I, I think, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And you said, I wanted to go way back, way back, way back. You were talking about uh, with the sex scenes and what sometimes what we see in film is just like slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. Or do you remember in the Truman show where he like would kiss his wife and then the, the whole screen would go dark and then it was the next morning? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Oh, that drives me crazy. Yeah. Me as a teenager going, what happened? You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. What are those sounds? But so, yeah, I just absolutely a thousand percent. Thank you. Thank you for making a film as deep as this and as thoughtful as this. And I think, I think a lot of people are going to relate and like it. And maybe, oh. one <laughs> and maybe what? Being a thruple. <laughs> well, you, you've got um a new project on july can you talk about that at all or yeah it's called crazy town and it's actually a series it's a first season seven episodes half hour each um about um strip club world but told from a women's perspective because i worked in in strip clubs back in the 90s that's how i paid for movies and it's a long story i only wanted to do it two years but i ended up having to do it for 10 but it's a part of the um story about why that happened and um my the whole reason I wanted to make this was because you know, I'd seen so many things that men made about strip clubs and it's always this male fantasy and I was like you know someone's got to get it right 
And I know the truth and it's not anything like what anybody imagines. It is completely different. And so it's, you know, told from a woman's point of view and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And some of the, I mean, I still, some of my favorite people I ever met, I met in that world and I would have never met them otherwise. I mean, there were women that were, you know, moms from Florida who were selling ecstasy while they had four kids. Back in Florida, there were like, you know, um, women that were going to school for psychology. There was a woman that was going to law school, Columbia Law, and this is how she was paying for it. I mean, it was just, it was amazing. It was such that artists, uh, you know, women that went on to become rock stars. It's crazy. It was amazing. It was such a cross section in, in a way that I would have never been put into this group of women any other way. And some of the best times I had were on Friday and Saturday nights when we would sit in the dressing room, hiding from the customers, drinking our box wine <laughs> and like sending one girl out to like walk the room and ask for dances. So nobody else had to, and we didn't piss off the manager. <laughs> I mean, it was so, we had such a good time with the, the crazy, horrible situation we were in. And, you know, there were the great customers that would come in and, you know, I, spent a lot of my time just sitting there wearing my dress talking about movies and guys would pay me to come and just talk to them about movies and I didn't ever even have to dance and to the point where I don't know if you know Abel Ferrara he made he made a movie called uh, Go Go Tales and I'm in it like I my character if there's Debbie the girl who sits with the red dress at the bar just talking to customers and never dances <laughs> that was me and same though that's like you okay when you see a film that has a stripper in it they're either a slut right they do it they're doing it because they get off and this is this is not me saying this people listening you know they get off on dancing naked half naked in front of people they're druggies right sometimes they're the nursing student you know if it's that kind of movie but it's like they're people with stories with hearts with feelings you know maybe like you said, in a bad situation. Also, depending on where you are, you can make good money at it. So they're smart, you know? It's like, it's not always just this type of person that strips their intelligent, you know? There was this chick chick that I met at um, Flash Dancers in Manhattan. She was, God, she was probably 50 when I met her. She was from Australia and she'd been dancing since like, I don't know, the eighties or the seventies or something. And she had been investing all her money in the stock market. And what she would do, she would do doubles. She'd like be there from mid from uh, noon until like four o'clock in the morning, three times a week. And she had clients that were these Wall Street guys. They'd come in, they'd sit with her. She also was one of these people that didn't dance, but she was obsessed with the stock market. And she would find out insider information about stocks to buy and things like that. She'd go into the dressing room, call her her guy that bought the stocks for her. And she'd say, you know, I'll give you $5,000, you know, put in this. And, and she retired with like millions of dollars, millions. Genius. I mean, she's just, she was so cool. There was another woman that I met and her story is featured in Crazy Town. And um, actually it's one of my favorite plot lines within Crazy Town. This woman was an ex-child actress, like a, somebody who was actually a famous TV star back in like the 50s or 60s. She never told us who she was, 
And she insisted she was 35, even though it was very clear she was probably closer to like 65 or 70. And um, she was just the most incredible human being. She told us about how like her parents had taken all her money and gambled it. And, you know, she decided that she was never going to be in the film world ever again. She just wanted to like go and recoup everything she lost. And these old, old men would come in and they would bring her gifts. They would sit there doing crossword puzzles with her. She helped a lot of them go to their doctor appointments and no, nothing, nothing sleazy ever involved. She was just kind of like, you know, this beautiful companion to these people. And I mean, it was just, it was amazing. The, the stories were unbelievable, really just, just so touching in some ways. Pretty amazing. And, he, and people can see that in July. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm told. I mean, I'll have, um, you know, it'll probably be the same publicist that'll reach out to you, but, okay. um, and it's with Breaking Glass. They're my, oh. they're my people. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm excited, excited to see that uh, when it comes out, because it sounds like it's one of those, uh, one of those shows where it's going to be like, it's going to, I can't talk. I'm going to feel it. That's what I'm trying to say that I'm going to relate to. I've never been a stripper. i pretend in the shower you know uh, but I, but I don't have this the confidence or you know the the drive to be able to do it I'm not I'm not that I can't I would love to like have that sort of confidence and I think that people watching the show will will hear more of the stories and the one you were talking about the the woman the former child actress I think that's going to be freaking cool because I know me I wish that I could find a very nice older gentle that just wants my help or wants to have conversation and you know and wants to shower me with gifts I mean who doesn't obviously yeah well and it's funny like um I have one of the characters say something that I've said for years because I was very you know uptight and you know I never wanted to like take off my shirt or anything prior to the dancing and um I you know after doing it I would go out with friends at film festivals and, you know, we'd go to a bar or whatever, and there'd be girls getting really drunk, getting up on a table or something, acting like they were strippers. And I would laugh and I'd think to myself, wow, everybody thinks they want to be a stripper, but like in reality, they wouldn't want to. And then I thought, but it would be really funny if just like, you know, in Israel, they make both the men and the women go into like, you know, the military and in America, all women should be forced to have to go and dance for two years because it makes you so strong. You know how to like draw the line and say to people, say to men in particular, you know, no, I don't have to do that. You know, would you talk to your mom that way? Would you talk to your sister that way? And it, I mean, it made me really, really strong. It really did. And to give you, and to give you confidence and like, just yep. be able to, to do something you didn't think you were able to do. And yeah. like, where if my phone doesn't stop ringing? Okay. But like, yeah, like to draw the line, but also to, to just know how to like interact, I guess, in a good way, you know, how to present your best self to the best of your abilities. I think it's cool. And also, I mean, one of the things that it made me realize is how like, you know, it's just a body. It's like, you know, it's just a body. It means, I mean, it, it I actually think the body is a work of art. I think it's beautiful in all shapes, sizes, colors, everything. I think bodies are just so beautiful. And, and I do draw and paint and, and I love just drawing and painting bodies. I think they're so interesting. Um, 
So, you know, if you look at it that way, it doesn't really, you know, it's, there's nothing, I, I don't find dancing very erotic at all. So it's interesting. Just, I'm, I'm, oh, <laughs> I'm very curious to see uh, what, how people receive Crazy Town. And I think they'll receive it very well because the characters are great. And, and we also did it like in a way that made it a little bit funnier. Um, you know, I was very much into like um, Carol Burnett when I was really little. My mom would watch the reruns of that. And uh, Tracy Ullman. I don't know if you ever, if you remember the Tracy Ullman show. And she would play all these different characters. So in, many of the actors, I think most of them, play more than one character. Like we had, I bought all these wigs from Amazon. And, you know, I'd tell someone, okay, now you're going to also be this guy. <laughs> now you're going to be this girl too. So it was fun. We had a great time. I freaking love Carol Burnett. And I did watch the Tracy Ullman show. I was trying to remember as you were saying, I'm sorry, I was dying over here on the corner. <clears throat> I got but somebody famous got their start on the Tracy Ullman show. I can't remember who it was though. Huh. But you're right though, the, the, the variety type show like format, I think it would work really well as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Or even like uh, uh, Mr. Show, that was great. My son's been making me watch that lately and that's amazing, really smart, really funny. Hey, you're lucky. I got to watch Paw Patrol over here. <laughs> <laughs> so can people, is there a website that people can follow you on or follow you on social media to keep up to date with everything? Yeah. On Facebook, I'm Deborah Twist, D-E-B-O-R-A-H-T-W-I-S-S. And same on Instagram, Deborah Twist. And um, yeah, I, I post a lot of things for my stuff there. That's okay. the easiest way. I mean, I tried to, you know, get my Luxstar, my Luxstar production site going. And I just, I, I, with all the dogs and kids and everything else and making movies, I just don't have the bandwidth. <laughs> it's like, uh, I have used 23 and a half hours of today. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, all the dogs and they were really quiet and the cat. I saw the cat. Yeah, that's Charlie. My mom, my uh, daughter just found him in the woods near our house um, around Christmas time. He was just abandoned, just sitting there. And she called me. She said, Mommy, what should I do with this cat? And I said, well, bring him home. We'll get him. We'll take him and see if he's chipped. He wasn't. And he turned out to be the most amazing cat in the universe. We, he's like, he's like Mimsy. Did you ever see the last Mimsy? I did. That was with the island, right? That's, that was the one with the, the teddy bear that was sent from like a different dimension in the future and had like the DNA, uh, needed to get the DNA of the tears of the child to bring back to the future to save humanity. But that's what I feel like this cat, this cat, I wanted so badly to name him Mimsy, but it just didn't work. Um, and uh, yeah, he's so cool. He's the coolest cat. And I have a bunch of cats too. And he's literally like the, he's like an alien. So that was Charlie. There's your next screenplay. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for joining. Sapiosexual will be available to watch today, tonight, I guess. Yeah. And iTunes and Amazon. And then we will hear more about Crazy Town closer to July, I would assume. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Deborah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Have a good night. You too. Thanks. Bye. 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 
This has been an Odd Imagination production. Here at Odd Imagination, you'll find book, film, television, and product reviews, as well as roundtable discussions, current events, and hot topics. We are advocates for equality and the freedom to be who you are, no matter what. Odd Imagination gets its name from autism and imagination, two things that are very important to us. If you would like more information on Odd Imagination and the podcasts that we host on our website, you can visit oddimagination.org, A-U-T-I-M-A-G-I-N-A-T-I-O-N.org.